Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message. And if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. And he starts telling me scary stories. <laughs> then I come to church, and what's the children's message lead in? I think there might be a trend here with you. Now, let me commend him. I always tell people, you only, you only tease people that you like, right? That's the way it is. I want to commend you for giving the catechism to the sponsors and family over here. I've only ever seen that happen once. I did it myself for many years. Thank you. That is awesome. And I know he said that I came here because of my interest in campus ministry. Actually, I heard there was a baptism breaking out here this morning. So, uh, Ava, glad to be here for your baptism. Uh, thank you for letting me join your party. Welcome to the family of God. So, now when he heard that John had been arrested, Jesus withdrew into Galilee. And so John is arrested, sequestered in Herod's dungeon. The charge? He dared to criticize the morals of the king. Herod had taken up with his brother's estranged wife, and John had the audacity to call him out on it. And so the greatest one born of woman is arrested and treated like a common criminal. The one who came in the spirit and power of Elijah is now off the scene. The voice calling in the wilderness is silenced. This, folks, is how it goes with the kingdom of heaven. It suffers violence, and violent men lay hold of it. The kingdom of heaven is vulnerable and appears weak in this world and to this world, and it always comes with the cross. But as we're reminded this morning, the Christian faith begins with the cross because even in holy baptism, there are splinters in that font. First you have death and then resurrection, even in baptism. Now Jesus relocated from Nazareth to Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. It's in the north country. Despised by the Judeans in the south. See, everybody has north side, south side issues. They were the breakaway tribes, the secessionists, the ones without a lawful descendant of David on their throne. Half Gentile, half Israelite. Not quite kosher or orthodox by southern standards. The north was always an object of derision in Jerusalem. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, was the cliché. Now, here's the point. It's probably not the location that you or I would have chosen to start a movement, much less a religion. But then we're not in charge here. You see, the kingdom of heaven is flipped upside down from the kingdoms of this world because it is not of this world. 
It works bottom up rather than top down. The last are first. Those who walk in darkness get to see the dawning light first. It reminds us that God works by mercy and not merit. And that Jesus' mission is not simply to the salvageably religious of Israel, but the entire world, to Jew and Gentile, circumcised and uncircumcised, Northsiders and Southsiders. And so Galilee is ground zero, and Capernaum, a tiny little insignificant fishing village, is ground zero headquarters. Now, Isaiah foretold this all centuries before. Nothing is accidental or incidental when it comes to Jesus, folks. All of it happens to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, despised, rejected the first to fall on them. The light has dawned. That is the wonder of it. God's kingdom falls upon the least and the lost and the littlest, just as we witnessed just a few moments ago. Thanks be to God. What the world might view as seemingly insignificant and irrelevant, God calls his own. Now, Jesus picks up here where John had left off, preaching repentance and the kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the kingdom was more at hand than ever before. It was, well, as near as Jesus. The kingdom of heaven had come to earth in the coming Jesus, and this called for repentance. It called for a new mind, a new way of thinking, a turning from self to Christ, from sin to righteousness, from law and commandments to gospel and gifts. God was doing something entirely new, and this new wine called for new wineskins. And so the call to turn to him to repent. The call of that kingdom hasn't changed over the centuries. The message is the same. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This call goes out to you in your baptism too. What baptism does, though we don't see it with our eyes, it works repentance, drowning the old and raising up the new. In a way, you get the death part over. We turn from self to Christ from our attempts to justify ourselves to being justified by Jesus, from our works to his. Thy kingdom come, we pray, even as we prayed that prayer at Ava's baptism. And the kingdom does come when the word of Christ reaches our ears and has its way with us, and we believe it. The kingdom lays claim not only to Ava, but all of us, follow me. Jesus calls four fishermen to discipleship. The simple words, follow me. Peter, Andrew, James, John. They were partners in a fishing business with Zebedee. And with the word, Jesus calls them away from their nets and their boat, follow me 
and I will make you fishers of men. Here is the beginning, if you will, of apostolic ministry. These fishermen are not simply the first disciples, they're also the first apostles. That's what Jesus means when he says to them, I will make you fishers of men. They used to catch in their nets. Now they would be sent to catch men for the kingdom in the net of Jesus' death and resurrection. Making disciples by baptizing and teaching in his name, with his authority, in his stead, and by his command, wherever they would go. And this also explains the vocational change. If you notice here, not everyone is called to leave their line of work to become a disciple here of Jesus. Most didn't, but these four did. They left their nets and their boat and Father Zeb and began a new calling, a new vocation. It's not that Zebedee wasn't saved too. He heard the word of God as well. It's only that Jesus didn't select him to be one of his apostles. But he had work to do, too. Anyway, this initiated their training. Can you imagine this level of confirmation instruction? Three full years, morning, night, with Jesus. Hearing and teaching his proclamation seeing the wonders he did in healing every disease and affliction, including those who were paralyzed and couldn't walk, they would see him through his cross and his resurrection. They would see him disappear into the clouds at his ascension. And they would go forth to gather the church that confesses Jesus Christ, the Son of God, just as we confessed in the creed in the context of Ava's baptism. You have to ask, so did these guys really know what they were getting into? I mean, think about it. How, how could they really? But they trusted Jesus. And notice how God's works, God's word works. We say this all the time. God's work does what it says. He says, follow them, and they're compelled to do what? To follow him. They took him at his word. And at that, they left their livelihoods to join this band of disciples who would one day be apostles. Have you ever wondered yourself if any of you are used to God and the building of his kingdom? You know, you may think that you don't have the necessary skills to talk to others about Jesus. That you may not have the aptitude, the personality. But remember this, that just as pastor... In his children's sermon, once he got done trying to scare the children, (laughs) pointed out that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We don't draw people to ourselves. Rather, we reflect the light that he already is. So we're all in this together, whether an apostle, a pastor, Father Zebedee with his fishing boat, a young professional working downtown, a clerk working at TJ Maxx, wherever it might take us. These 12 apostles were the most unlikely band of men you could ever assemble. 
they would probably not have any of them made it through Senate confirmation hearings if such would have been necessary. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when they sat down together because I really often wonder how they even got along. In fact, we see times in scriptures where they kind of don't. And yet Jesus gathered them, taught them, and sent them as his emissaries into the world with nothing but his word. Formerly, they fished for fish. Now they would fish for men, catching men in the kingdom. How? And this is key. This is what we're going to focus at the end here. Dropping the dragnet of Jesus' own sacrificial death and resurrection into the sea of this world and dragging whatever they could catch into the church. In fact, sometimes against their will. Now let me correct that. I want you to ponder about fish here a little bit. Fish never do anything for us, but always do it against their will. They don't jump into our nets. They don't jump onto the line because they want to be near us. Have you ever known a fish that wanted to be caught? No, they don't exist. It's a funny thing about netting fish. I remember being in West Africa, and they would literally take these big nets out on the coast, and they would do the same thing and sweep everything and just see what would come up. And I don't have a lot of fishing experience. I've got a lot of friends and relatives that do. Um, I live in New Mexico now, and I have less reason to fish because we have one small problem, um, water. We don't, we don't have a lot. Not a lot of fishing going on. But I do know this. I have learned enough to know that the best way to catch a fish with a net is from below. They have a blind spot below themselves. From above, you can forget it. And it won't do to chase them from behind, as most people do. Fish can see as well behind as they can see in front of them. You can put a net in front of them and scare them into the net, but the best way is from below. They just never quite see it coming until it's right there. I think that is a good parable for how Jesus and his kingdom here on earth works. Every other religion, you have to go to their God. You have to go up to God. You have a God, dear loved ones in Christ, who comes down to you, who steps into your flesh, who knows your hurts, who knows your pains, who goes through the death and resurrection that he applies to you in your baptism. You don't go chasing him up there. He chases you here. And he comes at you from below, if you will, where you least expect him. We think God should come and make a big show of it. Fireworks and laser light shows and you know, Air Force jets crisscrossing the sky. But that's not how he does it. 
because we as humans, as sinful fallen flesh, have a blind spot. And so he comes from below where we don't see it coming, where we least expect it. No pomp, no circumstance from below. A baby born in a simple manger. A boy in a temple. An average carpenter in Nazareth. A teacher in Capernaum. Galilee of the Gentiles? Are you kidding me? The kingdom begins small, like a mustard seed. And it grows to embrace the whole cosmos with the net of Jesus' death and life. Now when you hear of Jesus' call to Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and you hear Jesus say, I will make you fishers of men, I want you to both think of that applying to you and also remembering that you are fish. Jesus isn't necessarily calling you to change your vocations in order to serve him. In fact, even though I was joking about it, I did come here because I have an enormous interest in campus ministry. And because, frankly, you have everything here to do campus ministry already. Because you have the gospel, you are church, and you are in this place. You need two things to do campus ministry, Pastor. The gospel and students. Voila! You've got everything in your toolkit already. I look forward to working with your congregation in the years to come to hopefully be of help in that regard. The opportunities are endless, not just among our American students, but our international students, the atheists and agnostics sitting at local cafes, to share your faith. It's unbelievable. And the resources you have are equal. But you look at Father Zebedee here. He was just fine tending to the fishing business. But Jesus needed the boys for other purposes. There are plenty of tax collectors in Israel, but Jesus needed Matthew to collect disciples instead of taxes. You are all fish caught in the apostolic net that they began to throw. You are baptized with a baptism Jesus put into the hands of these very apostles. With the promise that he would be with them in this very baptizing. And he even here is today as we witnessed in a baptism right here in Lincoln Park, Chicago, the north side. Where if you look anywhere direction around you, there are so many people that yet need to hear the gospel and be caught into this gracious net of God. But you are also fish. Of course, one thing about fish is that fish caught in a net are as good as dead. So, you know, you can't extend an analogy too far. However, in order to live, they must escape the net. But not this net, because this is a different kind of net. This net has captured you. The net that has captured you will drag you to the shore and raise you to life on the new day. God, your father, didn't capture little Eva in a net for her to die, but for her to die and be raised to new life in Jesus Christ. This is a rescue net. Before the sea becomes a lake of fire, 
and destroys you. This is a net cast far and wide to save you and everyone around you from your sin, from death, and anything that would harm or destroy you. Yes, dear loved ones in Christ, Jesus still sneaks up on us from below in the lowliest of forms. Baptismal water, Lord's Supper, bread and wine. Talk about lowly, humble, easily ignored or despised. So many today look for a good show when it comes to religion or the faith. Many are hooked on miracles, looking for displays of power. They ask you, what goes on in your church? And you tell them, we hear the words of Jesus. We eat and drink his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And they scratch their heads and they say, huh? But dear loved ones, the highest and holiest and most heavenly things are buried deeply in humility, in suffering, in rejection, even in Galilee. The last place on earth that you'd use to make your HQ. The last place on earth you'd look for God to come in the flesh to save. Well, thank God that he did in the name of Jesus. Jesus.